If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited time offer, so act now. If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited-time offer, so act now. My name is Rob Gorski, and you're listening to the Autism Dad Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. You guys are you're my favorite. Thank you. I appreciate each and every one of you. I wouldn't be here doing this if uh, you weren't there listening. So we'll just kind of keep this going because it works for me. I think it works for you. So I appreciate you guys. Uh, my guest today is Corey Dorier, and I'm really excited about this interview for, for a couple of reasons. One, Corey is an autism mom. I love connecting with other autism parents because uh, we can share stories and you can relate and you feel more connected. And it's, it's just a cool experience uh, to do that. She's also a filmmaker and she just directed and released a film called uh, language arts. She's here to talk about that. Autism plays a kind of a center role in this film. And um, there is a lot, I think that we can learn from this movie and we can relate to. So I, I want to encourage you guys to check it out. The The links are in the show notes. So you can, you can do that. Um, we're also going to take a couple of minutes and talk about something that is really important and it has to do with equality, right? So, uh, we're going to talk about women in film and some of the obstacles that they face. And we're going to talk about representation in film. And by that, I just mean, you know, people, kids, we'll just say kids, kids should be able to watch a TV show, a cartoon, a movie, whatever, and see someone who looks like they do. They should see someone who represents them, right? So there needs to be diversity and inclusion. And we're going to talk about all of that. We're going to talk about what's going right. We're going to talk about what's going wrong. So I think it's a really important conversation. So I encourage you guys to stick around. My guest today is Corey Durier, right? Yep. I got it that time. It took me like five times. Uh, <laughs> she's a CEO of Kairos Productions. She's a filmmaker and an autism mom. And you directed a new movie called Language Arts. And so you're here to talk about the movie and then we're going to touch on some things uh, related to the film industry that are important and need to be kind of brought to the attention of people who uh, maybe aren't aware. So thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, I, this filmmaking is my third career. I was, well, fourth, really. I was an actor, dancer. And then I was a stage uh, actor and director, and I founded a company called, I co-founded a company called Seattle Shakespeare Company here in Seattle, um, and ran that for 10 years with my wonderful colleagues. And then, uh, long story short, became a filmmaker um, when I got tapped by my godmother, who was a writer called Madeline Lengel. She wrote A Wrinkle in Time and 47 other 
47 plus other books. She's incredible. And she said, she handed me some scripts of hers and said, I want you to make these into movies and plays. And I went, okay, then instant life change and went to film school and in my late thirties. And, uh, and I became a filmmaker because when Madeline Langle says you should, you kind of go, good thought. Let's do this. Very cool. Yeah. So let's talk about language arts. Um, okay. what, well, first of all, what is the film about? Okay, so I am going to, I don't think there's a better blurb than the one I'm going to read from the flyleaf of the novel Language Arts by Stephanie okay. Kalis. Okay. Um, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, Charles Marlowe teaches his high school English students that language will expand their worlds, but linguistic precision cannot help him connect with his autistic son or with his ex-wife who abandoned their shared life years before. He's at the end of a road he's traveled on autopilot for years when a series of events forces him to think back on the lifetime of decisions and indecisions that have brought him to this point. With the help of an ambitious art student, an Italian-speaking nun, and the memory of a boy in a white suit who inscribed his childhood with both solace and sorrow, Charles may finally be able to rewrite the script of his life. That's what the book's about. It's about a man dealing with a lot and having kind of withdrawn from a uh, much human connection that he formerly had. He's trying to cope with his ghosts and uh, deal with the past by dealing with the present. And, and autism is the central theme of the challenges that he's, he's dealing with. So, so okay. So how, how is autism a central theme? Well, he's an autism dad. Okay. Uh, so the movie is for your audience because it's about autism parenting. Um, and it's not an easy movie to get through, just like our lives are not easy to get through. He goes through a lot. Um, and the varied people in his life do too. And I think much good art is about this, is how we triumph over life when it comes at us real hard. And all of us know that as autism parents and autistic people. Um, I think my autistic son is one of my greatest heroes because of all that he's overcome and all that he is now, all that he embodies now. When you know where it came from, you look at him today and you kind of can't even believe how glorious and shiny he is. I, I know all about that. My, <laughs> especially with my, my oldest, my two youngest are still younger. Mm -hmm. uh, my oldest is 21 and he went, he went from significant, significant challenges in life to, to being more than fairly independent. And he informed me, uh, during our COVID lockdown that he's going to move out. Whoa. And so we're, we're <laughs> well, right. Like I thought I was never going to have like, um, an empty nest, but you know, it looks like I'm going to, I got to kick the other two out at some point cause they just <laughs> want to live here forever. But, uh, it is, it's a night and day. People who see him today have no idea where he came from and how much he's overcome and how, how much he has grown, uh, over the years. And people who do know him from over this journey are just blown away. There's still times that I'll look at him when he walks down the steps and I'm just like, like he gave himself a haircut and he shaved and like did all the things that like don't seem like a huge deal, but for an autistic young man, that's can be challenging, right? The self-awareness and the remembering to do things. And then, he, he just does it now and he can manage his own household with some help, you know, like, like in a, he wants to live in like a group home type thing where he can live with some peers and just have someone there just in, you know, just in case, like he manages his own meds and, uh, does his own laundry and, you know, like he just, he can cook for himself. He cleans, like he just does so well. And if you knew him 10 years ago, it's his, is his dad. Like I, I've always been proud of him. I've always thought he could do anything. I look back and I'm just like 10 years ago. I don't know that I would believe that we would be where we are right now because it just is that much of a, of a, of a change in him. And I'm, I'm so proud of him. So I, I, I get that. Um, like what you're talking about with your son. Um, what is, do you have a personal connection with <laughs> the story? Uh, why? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, so 
This novel, Language Arts, is written by my friend Stephanie Kalis, who is a genius and is working on her fourth novel now. Um, and they're all so beautiful. And, and what she does in her work, which so astonishes me, is she she takes these various stories and weaves them together in a way that you that they are inextricably in bound in just this glorious tapestry. But you never suspect it. You don't see it coming. And she takes you through the dark. She takes you through the grind, through the hell. And then she brings you out the other side transformed. And A, I completely relate to that. It's the story of my life and of many lives, um, certainly of my, my son's life. Um, and one of the chapters in there, she references something that happened to our family when I was married. I was married for 28.5 years, a long time. And uh, she knew my former husband, who I call my husband, because I think it's more polite than ex. Um, I do like a, that. He's a good fella. He's, he's a great guy. And like, other than you, of course, the best dad in the world. I'm just saying. Oh, uh, he's thank you. Wonderful, wonderful father. <laughs> and um, yeah, anyway, good guy. Uh, just other than the part of, you know, not being in love with me, his only flaw. But you um, call an ex-wife? Oh, good. We've moved on. Um, if a, if you, just because this is, I, I love the way that you brought that up. If you have a husband, yeah. what is an ex-wife? What's a nice Everybody wife? asked me that. And I, I guess you'd have to make that up yourself there. Okay, so you don't, I, you don't, I don't have one don't actually know. It doesn't really apply to my life, you know, no. being a heterosexual person. But I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I don't I'll, know. I'll, but I really like, I kind of made up husband and I really like it. So like my husband, what was the question? <laughs> the, the, uh, the personal connection to the story. Oh yes, indeed. Indeed. So, uh, she wrote about our family, she, the autistic people in her novel and in the movie are folks that are an amalgam of people that she knows. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, a shard of this person, a shard of that person, a shard of this guy, they're all in her autistic boys in the movie. And um, one of them is my son. Also, there is a mold infestation, a toxic mold infestation that occurs in the book. And she's taken that straight out of my um, husband and Mai's life. I mean, that happened to us. And that, that is what poisoned me in 1993 and led to my... Uh, chronic illness. I am a zebra, which is someone who suffers from Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. I know and about that. Myalgic. Oh yeah. So I am a disabled person. Uh, I'm a disabled filmmaker. Um, I'm not officially on the autism spectrum. I don't believe I am diagnosably autistic. However, I have a heck of a lot of sensory issues that are very much like my son's issues. So we can talk about that. Mm -hmm. Our favorite book is All Cats Are Autistic. Okay. Um, I recommend it because we have cats and because we can relate to those cats. <laughs> so much in this book relates to me. The the way the divorce happened, the lead character's not unlike my husband um, in some ways, ridiculously so. There is resonance in almost every page of that book for my particular life. It's like she kind of wrote me. So mm -hmm. it's... It's semi-autobiographical, the movie is. Um, I have added a lot of things from my own life that I feel enrich the core of her story. And she told me the other day that she loves my ending, which is all mine. It's not in the book. And oh, because, it, you know, a Hollywood movie, well, a movie that comes out these days, there is no more Hollywood movie, really, in the independent world, let's just be honest. But um, a movie that works. Uh, and is saleable and watchable has to have certain benchmarks. It has to have certain points that it hits. Right. And the ending for me is both satisfying in terms of how I have reconciled my own sorrow and loss and loneliness over the divorce, which, you know, gutted me. Uh, I did not expect to be alone. Now, that was not the plan. I really meant the vows, you know. And so it's, uh, I'm still in shock every morning when I wake up by myself. I'm working on it, but it's a thing, you know. And so this this book is wonderful catharsis for me, both as an autism mom as and as a disabled person and just as a human being. Um, Stephanie Kalis is a genius. So it was an honor when she agreed to let me adapt her novel for the screen because it's me. It's kind of my story. And cool. there are certain scenes in the 
movie that come directly out of my life. One example, if I may. Mm-hmm. Um, there are zero scenes in Language Arts, the novel, where the child has violent episodes. Okay. There is, you, you read the aftermath of that and how they're coping with it. It's, it's you know, it's a book about the parents, right? It, this is not the child's movie. It's not the child's book. That is important to know. When people ask me other questions, I have to say, this is the story of a man, you know. Um, so there's a scene in the movie that I felt was really important where the child, you know, has a tantrum and acts out and, and smacked his mom in the face which happened to me all the time, raising my child. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, we counted one day, I think he was about yeah, eight, nine. So he was still in pull-ups, so it was around eight or nine, where he was having so much trouble with impulse control that we just decided to count the number of times that he punched me, head-butted me, or kicked me during a day, just to sort of, you know, stay a little more sane. It just helped 42 times. Um wow. He used to be very, very, used to act his anger out physically. He never does that anymore. Thank God. But, you know, he was, he was a kid and he was an autistic kid and he could not process things. He was in all these therapies, sensory, sensory integration therapy, all these beautiful things that are the reason why he can run so well today and be a soccer star and all these things. He, we, we were doing everything that we possibly could. Like the mother in this book, I was his strong advocate. and. I got him into early, early intervention stuff. All this is true. All this is in the book. And that scene is hard to watch. Um, and it made sense because this was my life. This was the life of the mother there too. Um, he, he asks her, you know, what, are, what do you say to your friends about the, 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 gouge, the gouges on your face, the scratches, the hair pulls, the empty, you know, a hole in your hair. How do you? How do you, I keep thinking I'm going to come home from work and see you on a gurney. You know, what, how do we, that was my life long ago. I mean, he grew up. <laughs> Thank and God. How, how, how's he doing now? He's doing so well. well. I can't even tell you how well he's doing now. That's again, why he's kind of my hero. You know, um, he has learned so much through the various <clears throat> modalities that, we helped him employ and that he employed himself. There, there has been so much beauty in his self-discovery and in his learning to have impulse control and learning to rein in his emotions and self-soothe in ways that make sense mm-hmm. for him and for us. And uh, sometimes these days, I just watch him naturally do it, just flow into self-regulation. It's the most glorious thing. Stuff will come up. You will see his ire rising. And, you know, in old days, I'd start to back slowly away for the, you know, I would not be feeling safe. There were many years where I did not feel safe in my home. Because uh, I was the focus often. And there were times when his dad would have to lock arms around him and hold him so he could get to me and, you know, put his head through walls. And I mean, I have permission to tell you these things. I asked him, mm-hmm. you know, because he has, I mean, he's an adult, but he has come so far. And these days, so something ire will rise, as I was saying. He will start to get very upset, and then he'll say, just going to go for a walk, and we'll go, awesome. And he'll go walk around the block and do his self-regulation and move his body and do his breathing, and he'll come back, and he'll say, all right, what were we saying? And I'm like, <laughs> it's so beautiful. Um, he has managed to hold down jobs with neurotypical and non-neurotypical people um, and, and be a leader. Um, he's worked in our local Kroger chain, you know, day to day in the store, doing the things, dealing with yucky customers, mm-hmm. self-regulating. I mean, it's incredible. It just blows me away how beautifully this man has grown up. You hide it really well, but I, I get this feeling that you're very proud. And <laughs> I'm so <laughs> proud of him. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you guys can't him. see it's dedicated to my children. This movie's dedicated to them. I did it for them. Five years of my life poured into this thing. It's the only thing, you know, I was about for a very long time, raising the money, getting together the crew, doing the things, you know, filming, editing, trying to sell it 
praying to God that someone would buy it, and then someone did. And now it's in release. Three days ago, it came out. Yep. And that is a huge triumph for everybody involved. I often say that no parent, and especially a mother, a woman, can make a film career without a village. There's no way. And I'm a very collaborative person. I'm associative. I'm affiliative. I'm a kind of sorry to be sexist, but a typical woman that way. <laughs> you know, I, I build bridges. I make groups. Mm -hmm. And the time and the stamina to make a feature film. I mean, you know, our normal union workday is 12 hours, but it's usually 14 to 16 for a lot of the people on the crew. And, you know, I'm on set from six seven thirty until nine thirty every day and it's grueling and glorious and wonderful but you know that means that if you're a parent that someone's got to be at home someone's got to be with the babies you know so that you can do and and so everything that i've ever made is the sum total of my husband and my hard work and that of our village that of our friends um all of us actually appear in language arts in tiny, tiny little roles because I wanted our faces to be in there because this is a story about my family. I like that. That's kind of a cool little, uh, kind of like an Easter egg kind of thing. There are Easter eggs in there all through there. Yeah. Especially for Seattle people. It's a very Seattle novel. It's a very Seattle movie. Very yeah. cool. So you had talked about sort of the difference between being a bystander and a hero. Right. Can you elaborate on that? Mm. That is a central challenge for most humans right now in the age of COVID, right? How do we engage with our life while it feels like the apocalypse, while it feels like everything's falling apart and the center is not holding? And how, how do we be a hero of our own life? And that is a central question of language arts. Um, our hero, our protagonist, Charles, is a man who has been deeply, deeply wounded and has made choices that he deeply regrets and that haunt him. And like many of us, he has tried to wrestle with them and has decided to kind of put up the white flag and retreat. So he is one of those men who, and I know many autism dads like this, like you, I know a lot of people in the community and a lot of them are in this movie too. He has, he has just raised his his gate his castle gates and lock them and he's inside the castle and nobody gets in uh not even his child so it's i mean to some extent his child does but mostly in the beginning of the movie it is the mom who's doing the bulk of the parenting honestly that's, um, how, that's how it normally is your words not mine yeah no I, I, yeah I, yeah I, I get that I, like i recognize as a dad yeah um, my situation is somewhat unusual. Yes. Whereas like I'm raising my kids by myself and, um, a lot of times it's the dads that take off or it's the dads that pull back and sort of disconnect because they just don't know how to cope with it, whether it's emotional or whatever. And I know a lot, I, I do know a lot of like amazing autism dads who, who break that mold. But it does seem to be, it, it does tend to be mothers who, who really step up and are there and I'll, I'm sure I'll get hate mail for that, but that it's, it's the truth. Like I'm, I, I'm a dude, I'm a guy, I'm a dad. Like I'm speaking as somebody who recognizes an issue with my gender and, and that parental role when it comes to special needs kids, it just, I don't know. I don't know if it's, we we have this pre predisposed um, or, or this uh, this view of what life is going to be like. And then when it isn't, we don't know how to hit that reset button or we don't know how to necessarily adapt. And we try and it, it becomes like trying to, trying to cram a, a square peg into a round hole. And when it doesn't work rather than adapting, right. Uh, or recognizing the issue, we just shut down. And like, well, if that doesn't work, nothing's going to work. And you get frustrated, you get lost in work, uh, you lose connection. And I mean, it just, it's a problem. It definitely is a problem. And you have just described the protagonist of this novel and movie. 
Perfect. Uh, this fella is exactly that. He's a wonderful teacher. He's a teacher of English. So he's a teacher of language. Mm -hmm. Language arts has about nine meanings. Um, but one of the things that was taught to him when he was very young is the power of actually cursive writing, right? The loops, the connections, the, the round circles. They're very sacred in our movie. We have a lot of resonance around sacred circles and, and the roundness of things. And a lot of it's framed that way. It was very intentional. Um, and he, when he's a kid, this is not a spoiler. It's just part of the plot. <laughs> I'm not giving away really important things. But when he was a kid, there was a, an autistic boy in his class. Now, in 1963, I believe that class was, they didn't know what it was. He was just the weird kid in the corner, right? Nobody really had a word for it. Not really. Um, very few did. Uh, he was just a special child, you know, um, as, as the teacher calls him. Um, but, and, <laughs> um, our hero as a child, Charles, Charlie, when he's a kid, he's called Charlie befriends this child, is fascinated by him, and actually becomes his advocate and teacher. So he, through this wonderful course of events, he, he sort of leans into the fact that this kid needs a protector in this public school, as many kids with autism and other special needs very much do. I know you know stories. I know stories of people who are emotionally and physically abused in schools. Sorry to mention it, but it's a reality that we all we have so much terror as parents and sometimes our terror happens realized yeah yeah uh yeah and and so he knows he needs to protect this guy and he sort of becomes his best friend and they become best friends and he helps him his hand doesn't quite work the same way uh charlie's hand works he figures that out and he sort of helps him learn to do these palmer loops these beautiful glorious loops that then become this symbol for their connection and for friendship in general. And it's, it's wonderful. And, and so the kid is trying to find out what is the difference between a bystander and a hero and makes choices that, that lean him toward the hero side of things. Right. Mm -hmm. And then he makes a choice that is a bystander choice and the effects very, very grave on his life and on some other lives. And so as a child, we see this in the sixties and then the grown man has to make some similar decisions in the nineties. Um, and so it's a central theme of his life. Will he ever as an adult, not be a bystander? Will he ever engage with his life and kind of become his own hero and the hero for his son? Really? Um, it takes guts to show up for your life. And sometimes as a disabled person, it takes me an hour and a half to get out of bed because I have to convince myself that the pain level is not going to overwhelm me like a wave and I'm going to be able to face my day. And I do my prayers and meditations and exercises. And I, I sometimes go on Facebook and I, I try to kind of gear up because it takes courage. It takes courage when you hurt all the time. Um, whether that's, you know, a physical pain or an emotional pain or both. I mean, if we're not depressive people, we struggle with depression and sadness anyway, just as humans right now, it takes a lot of guts to just engage with yourself, engage with your life, engage with your, engage with your children, with your work. Um, it's, we are smashed right now. We're having a lot of problems with motivation. Um, everyone I know, not just me. Um, so I love that this movie reminds us that we can create the courage within ourselves or access our higher power if you have a faith path and, and get the courage to get, get out of bed, <laughs> get into it, do the things we must. And, and I, Actually, some days when I'm really having a bad physical day or mental day, I, I give myself an A plus every time I, I just mentally go in my head, A plus, you did that breakfast. Nice job. You know, oh, good. You did that really hard phone call that you were dreading. Nice job. I just have this weird little self-talk because I, I'm the only person who's here. It's just me. I have to kind of 
give myself a little joy talk and tell myself that I can reach out for joy even when things absolutely suck. That that's a little bit of self-care too, really. It is. Yeah, I I have learned um that that is crucial and essential and if I don't do my prayer and meditation and I don't connect to my to my God every day, I'm a person of faith. Um and my life will be poorer and I will not achieve the goals that I ache to do. I am prepping a new movie right now. <laughs> In a pandemic, that's so much fun. Well, congratulations. I, yeah. I don't know, is that the right thing to say? Maybe it's not the right yeah, thing to I say. Guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are, you know, we're pretty far down the road toward prepping a really big one. Very cool. Uh, we have a lot of investors interested in and we're going for it. But, you know, it's like, oh, are we though? We don't know. You know, no one in the arts knows anything about their career right now. My husband is uh, actually hired to do an acting job this fall winter, but mm -hmm. is he? We don't know. Oh, that's yeah. Yeah, it's like that for everybody. Like theater, on... ha ha. Movie theaters, ha ha. So yeah, it's a it's a special time. I interviewed um, a couple of Broadway moms. Mm. Uh, Mama's talking loud. They they have their own podcast. And nice. They're, just, they're super cool, but they they're Broadway performers and this was much earlier on in the pandemic and everything was shut down and they were talking about how, how it impacts so many people, not just the performers, but all of the people who make everything work. Like the, it just, mm. it, it's unbelievable how deeply COVID has impacted, especially in the arts. Oh yeah. You know, people's careers, jobs, livelihoods. I mean, a lot of us are just thinking it's just over. Yeah. Some of my dearest friends, um, Scott and Pam Nolte of Taproot Theater. Uh, they're the founders of it, um, and they recently retired, I think at 45 years? Probably have that wrong. But anyway, they ran it for that long. Um, they, are, they are looking at the schedule for this beautiful live theater that we have in Seattle and kind of going, huh, well, I think we're doing Babette's Feast, maybe, possibly. The dates are there? I don't know. And that's true for absolutely everyone right now because, you know, Delta variant and woo, Too unpredictable. All, you know, we're just sort of, you know, praying a lot and hoping and trusting and knowing full well that it is likely more than 50% probable that we're not going to get to do the project that we're planning. But you have to hold out hope. You have to keep. And, you know, I really believe what they say that um, for a producer director like myself, um, the success of the show is in prep. It's all in the prep. And if you do your prep right, the show is like grease lightning. It just slides in and it just rolls. And first day is a little rocky, but then you get your rhythm and you, you can you can film it well. But if you don't do excellent prep, you are toasted. And so is your movie. <laughs> it's really all about what we do right now in the pre-pro, pre-production. So, okay. So like I, well, it's time we're recording this. Uh, I haven't watched the film yet. I'm going to watch it this weekend, which is tomorrow and in real time anyways. And then well, well, one of the things that I wanted to ask you is what, what are the lessons that you gleamed from uh, the making of this film? And what do you hope people take away from watching language arts? So many things. Or I wouldn't have devoted my five years of my life. I mean, longer than college, I've been mm -hmm. on this project, right? Um, I hope and pray that people will see the beauty and the mystery and the heroism of people who are dealing with a disability. Um, because all of us who have disabilities become stronger through overcoming obstacles, right? We, I mean, all humans do, right? That is how humans grow. And people who, in my case, hurt a lot, um, or people, I have a friend who is tragically in the early stages of Alzheimer's, very early onset Alzheimer's, and she is my hero. And there is that in this movie as well. There, there's all kinds of non-neurotypical representation both in our cast and crew and in the story in this. This is a very inclusive movie, um, or I wouldn't have done it. We have 
so many women in so many important roles and and department heads and you know uh i if, if <laughs> you know if i don't give them a chance who will right a, a woman director so one of the things i want people to take away from this is the inclusiveness of the story that all of us are 1000% valid exactly as we are we are not less than because we're disabled there is there is no there's no judgment in this story or in my heart or in the movie for people who have a challenge to overcome um it's it's the message that the author Stephanie Kalis has and it's my message too and it's the message of everybody on the crew you cannot make a movie by yourself. You actually need an actual village. It's cliche because it's true. Everyone puts their love and their sweat and their prayers and their strength and, and their essence into this show. And this is over 200 people pouring themselves into this on the crew. And then that many more who are actors in it. I think we cast, you know, most of Seattle. I think we had over, I think it was over 50 speaking roles or roles featured extras in, in speaking role. So what I want people to take away is that this wonderful, self-sacrificing, heartful village of humans has made this beautiful story. Um, and the story proclaims the struggle is real and the struggle can be triumphed over and with and leaned into. And there is beauty in the struggle and there's beauty in the connection and giving up is kind of not an option. Um, the, the central question of will the protagonist be his own hero and the hero for his child and the hero for his students as a teacher, um, or will he continue to be a bystander and held back and locked in and, and not engaging is, is a central question for everybody, especially right now. So I hope people take away the warmth and the the glowing heart of this film, which is that we are all gorgeous. We are all valid. We are all perfect in the eyes of God and, and can be in each other's eyes. I think that's what one can get at the end of this, after the synthesis of all of the pain that, that they go through. Um, there's no other game in town than to to work with the our our natural tendency to pull back from pain right i mean you know one reason why a lot of us are dopamine addicts and which is human you know to mm -hmm. want to to go toward pleasure and away from pain i mean that's just a human instinct but training ourselves that sometimes the pain is okay and is the water we swim in and we just have to keep doing that um there can be great if you will, pleasure in, in triumphing that way as well. And I think that that's, that's in there too. There is a lot of cruelty in this um, story because in the 1960s, people with autism were treated even worse than they are now. Uh, there was a lot of misunderstanding. There was a lot of, in this movie, there's inadvertent abuse at one point where someone does not understand what's happening and just literally clamps down on the person with autism and they of course have a sensory moment and it's really hard to watch that was not easy to film for anyone especially not for the actor who was 10 okay wow. um and we did that very carefully as we do all moments of violence or moments of, of horribleness um very carefully choreographed with with safety with the, the person the people involved feeling 100% safe, you know, uh, and it's challenging to film. I mean, I was sobbing at the monitor that day. I, I always am. <laughs> There's one really famous actor who was in the show <laughs> who was at one point, <laughs> she said, okay, so we did the first take and I looked over and Corey was at the monitor just sobbing. And I thought, oh no, I completely blew that. I mean, why did, she's probably going, why did I even hire this woman? And no, it was because I was so deeply affected by her performance that I went to another place and I needed a moment. Uh, that happened a lot on this movie. It touched me so deeply working on it. And I think that's in there. And I hope that people take that away. I hope they, they feel the transformation that we all felt working on it. 
Well, I hope they experience that as well. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, checking it out this weekend and being able to kind of connect all the dots. Uh, Cause I'm, I, I'm aware of some of kind of what happens, but I, I haven't seen the whole thing yet. So I'm, mm, I'm yeah. anxious for that. Me too. <laughs> um, I'll let you know though. I'll definitely. Oh, I know. appreciate that. I would love a, you know, like a, a text or an email. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Cause now um, I'm really curious as to how you're going to like it as an autism dad, you know, yeah, it's about an well, autism dad. It's a movie about your life kind of some aspect yeah. anyway. And I think sometimes they, they, they do hit closer to home. Yeah. And in the past, I think I've sometimes avoided watching things like that just because it feels like I'm like, I live it every day. I You're just kind of already in it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't deal with it, but I, I'm in a good I place in my that. life right now. I feel like, and I, and I, I want to, uh, I'm on this like personal growth journey for the last couple of years. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm able to do things that I didn't think I was able to do, uh, prior to that. Well, and may I submit that whether one is in a dip or a rise emotionally, whether one is in a high place or a low place, um, I think catharsis is a very ancient technique to get one to a higher place, going into the, leaning into the yuck and then coming up the other side. I mean, it's in Greek drama, man. It's in yeah. all human storytelling. It, and I, I understand the impulse to sometimes just, I just need to, you know, not necessarily watch, you know, uh, exploding human beings in a war right now or whatever, you know. Um, and I think if one is in a low place and dealing with some of these issues, as I think we all kind of do. Um, I think sometimes watching something that takes you to, uh, the, through the darkness and then brings you up into the light is, is actually helpful and is kind of building of your soul. Maybe. Yeah. I think it, I've learned that I, I, I gleam hope from something like that. Yes. And I feel like, uh, that it's, it can almost help guide me through my own journey, whatever I happen to be dealing with in a moment. And so I, I foresee that kind of being the case with this. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm very anxious to, uh, to, to check this out this weekend. My kids have been sick all week. Oh, uh, not COVID sick, but just sick enough that nobody yeah. wants to touch them at school because like, like you can't go to school cause you have symptoms that could be, but probably aren't, but you don't know. And it's yep. just crazy. Yeah, we forget that these masks have also protected us from regular rhinovirus and all these yeah. other things. And and now it's uh, it's a spooky time. Yeah, it you is. Know, I, I get you. Well, I, so, I hope you enjoy it. Well, I, I'm. But do I have Kleenex. Like have Kleenex. It's all I'm going to say. Well, I did stock up on that because my kids <laughs> have not been feeling good. I, I have like six boxes of it because they Absolutely go through it like done. crazy. <laughs> um, all right. So. One of the things that I wanted to touch on here before closing everything out was representation in film, right? Uh, so yeah. differently abled representation in film and women in film. Yeah. And so let's talk about that. So what, when it comes to making a film, mm-hmm. how, how important is representation? It's the whole game, right? I mean, right. Uh, this is a movie about giving people a chance to be themselves and to be seen as excellent and beautiful, right? So (laughs) this is the thing that I'm most excited about with this film. Um, As a woman in film and as a disabled person in film, I, as a disabled person in film, I have needed accommodations, right? I have had to um, come up through the ranks um, working as crew for a decade before I ever sat in the big chair and I had to do jobs that I could do well. And I was mainly a script supervisor, which is someone who is in charge of the continuity. And it means that you get to sit down for part of the day. You don't have to lift heavy objects. That would not have been something that I could do. I can only lift two pounds. That's special um, with my particular spinal situation. So, you know, I had to have accommodations and I had to create them for myself coming up, right? So I try to do that for actors. We have um, many people of disability in the cast and crew. I'm not at liberty to disclose who they are, of course, because they may or may not wish that information to be public. That's fine. Um, But, you know, we have deaf people, people with autism, non-neurotypical people besides myself. Um, And the important point is, you know, that we cast 
remarkable people in all of the roles, regardless of their abledness. And just to be quite honest, there are some people with autism uh, portraying people who are not, and there are people who are not portraying people who are. And you'll kind of never know, I think, because I think I directed it okay and cast it okay. Um, you know, we didn't, this is a very, very small budget independent film, right? Um, so we, we saw people in the audition process, which took three months. Thank you very much. That's a long time. We saw the people that are, that are, our resource level let us see, you know, if we'd had more resources, obviously we would have seen every single person. Um, but I was really happy that we were able to audition so many autistic and non-autistic actors for these roles. And I was able to cast both, which was delightful. Um, I think the people in this movie were the perfect people for the jobs. And there's some literal genius um, in these, in this, this cast. There are some people that will just, I mean, I think your job will just drop. Um, at, at, at the moments where someone is portraying an autistic person, whether they themselves are or not. So, you know, there's, it's a big topic right now. It's a huge topic. And I fully get why, especially as the advocate for my son and for myself as people with disabilities. Um, and you, you can't cast everyone. You have to cast the people that resonate with the story and with the greater cast that fit it together, right? So I wish we could have seen even more autistic people. And I'm really thrilled with the people that we did get for the cast. And, and you know, you ask, you know, how important is representation? Super important. Um, the fact that, again, as I said, that we have um, women in major major roles and major cruel positions, department heads, and 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 major high level positions on the crew, um, is powerfully important to me. I'm a, a very longtime member of Women in Film Seattle, which is an organization that tries to give girls a chance in the film industry because it's hard. Um, I'm also involved with some people uh, advocacy for people with disability and trying to get them jobs um in film because until you get that first job you can't even try to get in the union and you can't even try to get the next job so you got to start somewhere so i work very hard and my team works very hard to be as inclusive as possible that's really important to have inclusion and diversity in our world around us because it and people should be able to watch something on tv and see it and see someone who reminds them of themselves. Right? Exactly. That, yes. That's, that's, that's really important. Mm -hmm. um, what about women in film? <laughs> I know that's, that's, we'd sort of talked about that. Um, it's still a problem. It's a big problem. Still. It's getting better all the time. Uh, you know, movements like me too, Oscar. So black or Oscar. So white. That's the one. <laughs> uh, such movements are important and they come out of utter frustration with the way things have been. Um, there are some interviews that I cherish that are on our uh, Blu-ray and DVD, the special features that will also be online where we interview some of the kids who, who were in this show and they were just like, wow, there are more women than men on this girl. I've never seen this before. You know, this is amazing. I kind of love it, you know, and, and it just made my heart so happy. Um, Women can and usually do, frankly, have a much harder time breaking in to this business. It is kind of a boys club. Well, it is a boys club. It's not kind of. It's a boys club. I'm on the outside and I, I think I recognize that. The glass ceiling is real. And and um, those of us who are, I'm in an organization, several organizations for women directors. Um, we're a very rarefied group. There's a special subsection of the Directors Guild of America, which is one of my unions, the Screen Actors, SAG AFTRA, the Screen Actors Guild, um, is my other one as, as a performer. Um, but we have a special sort of meeting that we have on Zoom for women professional directors that are in the union. And uh, it, there aren't very many of us in the whole union, you know, in the world. And uh, we'll log in from all over 
different countries and we will just kvetch and talk about the specialness of, of it. And uh, there's a lot. There's a lot to deal with. And it's getting slowly better all the time. As more of us are, I mean, I suppose you could call me a very tiny studio head, whatever, in that I have a production company, right? Um, there are more of us all the time who are giving um, jobs to women and who are open to that and, and who put those resumes on the top of the pile when they hand them to their department head or to the other, you know, choosers um, mm -hmm. and say, I'd like you to look at these people. And then that's what I do. When, when I've hired someone to be department head, um, I had a, a beautiful DP, director of photography, Elisa Tyrrell, glorious, talented, beautiful, as you will see tomorrow, um, director of photography. And so I would just hand what I would do in the in the hiring process, which takes months is just pass through the pile of resumes and walk away and say, choose your people. That is not up to me. Uh, that is up to her. And and um, I think that is how people get in, you know, get into the to the jobs originally. But it's it's hard. Um, there are strong women out there with powerful skills who just cannot crack that first interview. And so I'm very dedicated to work with women in film. Um, and and to continue to to open those those gates to to women and to people of color and to people of disability who have the same exact challenges that I know this one the most intimately as as a woman producer director and actor. What changes do you hope to see going forward? <laughs> Change in the world. Well, well, I guess in the context of film, ah, women yeah. in film and, and Good representation. Question. And mm hmm. Wow. In film, I I hope I hope that because the past way of making films has shattered to the four winds and nobody knows what we're doing right now. Because it, A, the digital revolution, B, the end of theaters as we know them, right? Um I hope because of all this shakeup and all this confusion and no one knowing what we're doing and whether we even have an industry and all this. Although we always will now because of the digital revolution and because we can all just make a movie with our iPhone, right? There will always be content now and probably way too much. I hope because of all this newness and opportunity and excitement um, and terror, because we don't know if we're ever going to get it sold. I hope because of all this that there will be a shakeup of the way things have been done and that we will have more open-armed, open-hearted welcome for all sorts of people in the creative side. Um, and also in this side of watchers, people who like to, to see the content. I hope that, that it will be getting out to more people, and it already is, because of the streaming revolution in the past few years. Um, we're on, I think, eight platforms right now and more every day now that we premiered three days ago. Um, anybody that wants to pretty much right now can stream our film. That was not the case five years ago at all. Um, there's all this new possibility for seeing things that can hopefully bless your heart, change the world, change you, call you to be your own hero rather than to be a bystander, um, bring you into connection sign you up for advocacy, right? We we have a page, you know, in the credits where people can say, I'm so curious about this. How do I know more? Um, and links and the power to do all this is is can be a very positive thing. Also it can be a problem as we know. Very much so. But I choose to look at the the glass half full side of it and just think that there's a lot that we can do to to create content that is adding to the light and adding to the joy when the world is so dark. Um, I think art is one of the ways that we can give each other the courage to get through it, to survive and, and to come together and to be a community of art. Um, and I want to be all about that. And M. That, that was a really good I answer. I don't even know what I said. <laughs> that, well, no, that, that, yeah, I, I like that. I think that was really good. Um, what, Okay. So, so originally it was Amazon and iTunes. 
it's you can screen the film so many ways pretty much anywhere so many ways yeah all right is there anything else before we go that you wanted people to know about the film or mm, just that you know i realized that i am a white woman i am a woman who is privileged with a really good education i have been given so many advantages in this life it has been challenging for me in that i'm a person of disability but it has also been a huge blessing that i've been given this these, these parents that launched me well, you know, unlike so many people. And I'm an adopted person, and I'm the mother of an adopted person. And both of us look at that as this miracle that happened. People, people chose me to be in their family and decided to pour their lives into me and give me their essence and parent me. What? I mean, what? I am so blessed, so blessed. And I'm so honored to be able to work on material like this and, and give myself fully to a story like this one and call so many people to join me um, in that dance. And uh, I just, I'm getting a little reflect because I just see this as such a privilege and an honor and I want more people to have that chance. Um, and I feel so very grateful um, to people like you, to people like my husband, to people who are parenting special needs people and and pouring themselves into their children as we pour ourselves into our artistic children, we who are makers of art. It's the same. I mean, mm -hmm. the the way you pour yourself into your child and then hopefully launch them so they can, that they don't live with you anymore and go out into the world and leave you and are flying on their own. That's what we do with art, right? It's spirit children and actual children are kind of the same. And, you know, one just takes only five years. <laughs> one takes your whole life. And doesn't talk I think, back. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> I just think, you know, parenting and birthing are parenting and birthing, no matter what you are parenting and birthing, whether it's, you know, a, a pottery pot or a human being or a movie. Um, it's part of you. You are, are, are blessing that with your creativity and your energy and your love um and then it's going out from you and and that's what we hope will happen with our children too well i can't follow that <laughs> so thank you very much for taking the time to talk about your movie and your personal story and uh help to educate us about women in film and some of the the things that we need to do moving forward to equalize things a little mm -hmm. bit or a lot bit, probably a lot bit. And I will have all of the links uh, for people to check out the movie, Amazon, all that stuff uh, in the show notes. So people will be able to do that. Um, any links that you would like to have shared, just shoot me an email and I'll add and everything. Can to I the... say one thing, which is that the sure. thing that will bless any content creator the most is if you watch the content and like it, give it a like, give it a, a rating. And even mm -hmm. write a two sentence review. That's all we need. It's five minutes of your day that can change the world for us because that pushes the content up higher in the pyramid and higher and more eyes will see it. And, you know, can I also ask if you hate it? It'd be really neat if you didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> if you could just keep that to yourself. Unfortunately, on the internet today, people feel empowered to say whatever they want and they often are kind of grumpy. No, yeah. anyway, yeah. it would help everyone you know who creates content would help rob it would help Corey if you like it and if you subscribe to it and if you lift it up yourself you are adding energy to that message and you are becoming a, aligning with it and becoming part of it and, and giving the world help to propel it forward that's really good i appreciate that because that is that is something that that uh i don't know that many people i don't know that people they always don't. recognize it that because it's not always on facebook where difference. you can just click like but yeah rate podcast episodes rate the movies um because it helps as content creators, it helps us to understand what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, and and how to to move going forward, how to adapt and change. And, and in this better, digital so. world, world is literally the only way that we will get to more eyes, is yeah. if people yeah. like and and support us. So thank you, and thank Agreed. you for doing this amazing podcast and being such a blessing. Well, I appreciate. It. Thank you for being here. And uh, it's Friday, so have a great weekend. <laughs> And I'll be in touch after I, after I watch the movie. I'll let you know what cool. I think. 
So have a good day <laughs> and a great weekend. You too. And uh, thank you for everything that you do. And thank you for everything that you do. <laughs> You're welcome. Take Bye. care. Bye. Before I close things out today, I just want to take a minute and say thank you, Corey, for taking the time to come on the show and talking to us about your life and your journey uh, as an autism mom, talking to us about your son, talking about the movie and the inspiration behind it and all of that stuff. And, and talking about, uh, some of the obstacles you faced in the industry, you know, when we're talking about women in film and representation and equality and all that stuff. So it's very, very important and we want to be part of the solution. So I'm always here. If there's something that I can do to help facilitate that on my end, I'm totally down to do that. So you know how to get a hold of me. Uh, I also, on a side note, want to thank you for sharing the word husband, right? Like that's such a cool thing. And I don't have an ex-husband. I have an ex-wife and it would be cool to have uh, a name like that for an ex-wife because it's respectful and it's kind of fun and it's a little bit like better, I guess, than saying ex-wife or ex-husband. So we need to come up with something for ex-wife. So I'm open to your guys' ideas, but it needs to be respectful and uh, appropriate. So if you can handle that. Um, all the links to the movie and uh, social media and stuff like that for her will be in the show notes below. So you guys can check out the movie. I encourage you to stream the movie. It's amazing. As for me, you can find me at theautismdad.com. All of my social links are at the top of the page. You can listen and subscribe to this podcast in any one of your favorite podcast listening apps. I don't really care which one. Just hit that button. I really appreciate it. Uh, if you could please like, share, rate, review, all that stuff. Uh, it's super helpful for content creators to, uh, to have that done. Have a great weekend, guys. Stay safe, be smart, and I will talk to you later. See you, bye. Autistic kids can sometimes struggle to learn new skills such as riding a bike, reading, or simply having a conversation to a high level of proficiency and automaticity. Brainiac is a brain enhancement program that gets to the root of the problem. It builds stronger brain and body connections that elevate learning capacity within four to six months. Brainiac cross-trains motor movement, visual, auditory, and cognitive thinking connections using fun, interactive video games. Strength and connections allow kids to learn new skills and perform them automatically with more confidence and greater independence. Brainiac is for homes and schools. Visit canoe.com, that's K-I-N-U-U dot com, and be sure to use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save $500. It's a limited time offer and it will expire on May 31st.